0: Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The golden rule. We first heard that from our parents or a teacher or someone else who sought to guide us to shape our moral compass. But does the golden rule work for managers and associates? Well, kind of. Stick around and we'll explore why. Do you think work can change the world? Do you have a little rebel in you? If you said yes... This is your podcast. You don't have to settle for bad management, bad leadership, and bad workplaces. There are better ways. Let's find them together. I'm your host Stash D. Walsh, and this is Insubordinate. Better workplaces, better world. Welcome back to the program. Thank you, as always, for the honor of your attention. Today, we're looking at the Golden Rule. I'm of the mind that while it's a great moral guide, it doesn't work very well as a template for managers and associates. Let's dive in. The first reason why the golden rule isn't of great usefulness in organizations with managers and associates is that it is a moral guide, not necessarily a practical one. Generally speaking, we're exposed to the golden rule when we're young around general themes like kindness, fairness, and generosity, Not necessarily specific themes like feedback, customer service, or succession. The Golden Rule seeks to guide us in terms of generally accepted principles. It doesn't necessarily seek to guide us in terms of specific applications or in specific locations. Because of this, it doesn't have the same level of applicability that we tend to try to use it with. We tend to take the Golden Rule and use it as a template in every situation where it doesn't really apply, it doesn't really work that way. It's a great moral guide. It results in integrity and a good reputation for caring about how people are treated, wanting to treat them well. That's absolutely important and it shouldn't be minimized. We're not talking about abandoning our moral compass here, but you can get there via other pathways given the situation. And I'd argue that in organizations, as a manager with associates, those other pathways are better. For example, when we talk about performance feedback, some people want their feedback delivered as a feedback sandwich. They want a positive statement, and then some sort of criticism, and then some sort of positive statement. Other people, and I would fall into this latter category, want their feedback direct. They don't want any sugarcoating. They want people to get straight to the point. They want a 15-minute meeting, not a one-hour session. So do it to others as you would have them do unto you in that particular situation doesn't necessarily apply. If I'm someone's manager and I'm doing unto others as I would have them do unto me, I'm giving them super direct feedback, probably too direct for them. And so their experience of that is feeling like they've been overwhelmed or that there was too little personal touch associated with the feedback. But that's my preference. So doing unto them as I would prefer isn't necessarily the best course of action. Even though from a moral perspective, I'm still trying to care for them well, I'm still trying to offer them something I think is worthwhile and good. Here's another example. Words of affirmation is my love language. It matters to me what words people use. I'm the kind of person who cherishes cards and letters and saves those sorts of things. So if I do a good job at work and someone gives me an Amazon gift card, I'll be grateful and I'll spend that Amazon gift card on something I think is nice or use it as a way to gift someone else. But what I would really appreciate more is for them to say something specific about what I did or the impact that it had. Words matter to me so much that I actually have my grandfather's printed handwriting tattooed on my arm. So again, doing unto others as I would have them do unto me, I'm not necessarily going to be receiving from someone else the same kind of value that I would really want if it was totally up to me. Take customer service, for example. We treat our customers differently based on the length and breadth of our relationships, based on the circumstances that the customers have. I know of someone who's very close to me who works in a customer service field and who does a lot of different kinds of things for a lot of different kinds of customers based on the customer's need, not necessarily on the preference of the organization for whom she works. One extreme example of this is actually using the order entry system of the customer or the client to do business with them as opposed to their own order system, because that's the client's preference. If they were to do that for everyone, it would be impossible. It's not something they could do at scale. But for that particular customer, they make exceptions or they do things differently because it's the customer's preference to which they're catering because they're not talking about a moral standard, they're talking about a practical one. Yet one more example. Succession management. Every single organization in the world needs to think about how it develops future leaders for its organization. But what I want versus what I need in a given situation might be very different. For example, I might think that I'm ready for the next step in my career or to take on more responsibility or to have direct reports for the first time or whatever else the situation might be calling for. But someone else might say, well, you need a little bit more development in this area or the other area or a third area. I might receive that as a negative because I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting someone treating me the way that I would want to be treated. But They're treating me in a way that gives me what I need and prepares me for the future, even if it's not necessarily what I want in that moment because I'm being prepared for the future. Another issue that the golden rule has in a practical sense is that it tends to be a response to a negative, not a positive aspiration. Usually, we hear the golden rule when we fail to do something, like when we're children and we fail to share our toys or we fail to talk nicely to one another. The expectation is built in. It's usually the opposite of whatever we were doing when someone reiterated the golden rule to us. Moral codes are usually opposites, absolutes. Most of our applications, though, aren't opposites. It's not a binary choice, one or the other. Giving feedback to someone isn't a matter of right and wrong. It's a matter of preference from among multiple options. The same thing is true of interacting with customers or selecting and developing talent. The last problem that the golden rule has in terms of application is that it centers the narrative around me. Do unto others as I would have them do unto me puts me in the center of the decision making. It puts my standard at the center of the organization. What I want shouldn't be the standard for how other people interact in an organization. Not long ago, I encountered a quote that was attributed to Richard Branson, the founder of the Virgin series of companies. It said, if you want a great company culture, treat everyone as you would want to be treated. I couldn't disagree more with that quote. Treating people the way you want to be treated doesn't result in a great company culture. It results in a culture that accommodates what I want. Again, I shouldn't be the standard for how people interact in an organization, At worst, this could stifle diversity, eliminate perspectives, and make us myopic. We really don't want to be centering our organization and its culture or even individual interactions around what one person wants. Again, the golden rule is not meant to be a selfish application. It's meant to be a broad moral guide. And that's why it sometimes breaks down as we're talking about practical applications, because it becomes more self-serving as we get into those practical applications. That's where it doesn't work. So what should we be doing? The answer is one word, customize. Customize wherever possible. We should be customizing in our individual interactions, as mentioned, with regard to feedback or customer service or succession. Our customer relationships, more broadly, organization to organization, should also be customized where possible. Individual development and how we prepare people for the future and their future opportunities and roles should be as customized as possible. Feedback that we deliver to people should be customized to what they prefer. Not what we prefer. Even work arrangements. There's a lot of talk out there about whether we should be having people come back to the office or let people continue to work from home or have some sort of hybrid arrangement. My perspective on the matter is we should leave it up to the people who are doing the work. As long as they're productive, as long as they're continuing to do the job, as long as our customers are satisfied, they should be the ones who get to decide. It's not treat others as I would like to be treated, it's treat others as they would like to be treated. Give them the opportunity to decide how they want to be treated and what they want to be doing in a given situation, and one size doesn't fit all. Insubordinate episodes release weekly on Tuesday mornings. If you found this episode helpful, please consider rating or writing a review for the podcast or sharing it with a friend. As always, resources to help you are listed in the program notes. Until next time, stay with the program.